Good morning. This is Spirit Mornings with Bruce and Chris McGregor on Spirit Catholic Radio, KVSS. We have uh, with us uh, this morning uh, author uh, Anthony DiStefano, uh, serves as the executive director of Priests for Life, by the way. Talking a lot about uh, Father Frank Pavone and all of the wonderful things that Priests for Life does. Of course, a, a not-for-profit religious organization. He's uh, the president of various for-profit companies as well, a member of the National Religious Broadcasters Organization, recently elected a member of the prestigious International Institute for Studies, also based in the United Kingdom. Diverse background in uh, business and media. Lives on Long Island with his wife, Kimberly, a kindergarten teacher. The author of a book called A Travel Guide to Heaven. Which he serves very well as a travel guide for us all. Anthony, good morning and welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, when we talk about heaven, Anthony, and I loved your book, A Travel Guide to Heaven. It's a fantastic reawakening of stuff we already know, but we didn't know we knew. Hmm. I think one of the big things that you point out is we have monumental misconceptions about heaven. Absolutely. Yeah, we do. And, all, and those misconceptions come from many different places. I, I think one of the biggest culprits uh, has been uh, Hollywood. You know, every time uh, you see a movie uh, uh, about heaven, you you know, you always have these cloudy images and these, you know, the, the angels with the flowing robes and the halos and, and the harps and all of that uh, stuff. None of that stuff, obviously, is either biblical or, or certainly not a part of Catholic doctrine. Uh, we've got such a this, we've got such a, a nebulous, cloudy conception of heaven. Who in the who in the world is going to be excited about going to a place like that? You know, it's a, right. a very big misconception. And my book basically addresses that and talks about what what heaven's really going to be. Point out, it's very much a place, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. It's it's not a state of mind. You know, it's not just a state of mind. It's a real place. Uh, yesterday, and we'll talk about this more later. But yesterday. Uh, we celebrated the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, a body and soul into heaven. Well, she's going to have a body. She's got a body now, just as Jesus has a body now. You can't very well have a body in a state of mind. You have to have a body in some kind of a place. Certainly the place doesn't have to be exactly like the place that we're living in, but it's still a place, a place where a body can reside and move. It's because we are created body and soul, isn't that right? We're, we're human beings. We're not just souls. You know, we're not just souls, and we're not just bodies. We're both body and soul together. If we were just spirits, then we would be angels. That's what angels are. They're pure spirits. We're not destined to be angels. We're destined to be human beings, body and soul, just as Jesus right now has a body and soul in heaven. That's what we're going to be. Jesus is, you know, the first fruits, uh, Paul tells us, of what we're going to be like. So, no, we're not just going to be spirits. And I don't know about you, but I want my body back, you know, (laughs) someday. Maybe not exactly in the shape that it's in now, but I do want a body in the future. And that's, I think, the misconception a lot of people have is that when we die, the two, the body and soul, are separated only temporarily. That's right. They're separated temporarily until uh, until what what is known as the, the resurrection. Obviously, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ at Easter time, but that's when we celebrate Easter, we're not just celebrating Christ's resurrection. We're celebrating, ultimately, our resurrection. We, someday, at the end of the world, are going to be given our bodies back. Now, that's the whole point of the Easter message. That's the whole point of Catholicism. That's the whole point of all Christianity. All Christians believe this, that someday uh, we are going to get our bodies back at the end of the creed. You know, We believe in uh, life everlasting and the, you know, and the, and the body. So. Right. Right. So, but if heaven is really a place, then when our body and soul are separated temporarily, what is it that they experience? 
Well, you know, no one could say for sure exactly what, what they experienced during that separation period, and I think a lot of people are very afraid of that. But there's a couple of things to keep in mind. Uh, first of all, you have to have trust and faith in God. Uh, you know, God is not going to uh, bring a person to, to heaven and scare him before he gets his body back, let's say. Mm-hmm. We've all had the experience of, of sleeping in the middle of the night and dreaming. Well, there's a good uh, example we could use to compare that, that, that separation period. At night when you're sleeping, you know that when you're having a dream, you can be off you know, in Hawaii somewhere. You could be flying through the air. You can be talking to your friends. Meanwhile, your body is motionless. You're not really moving. But in your mind, you, know, you are active. You do see people. You do have use of your senses, even though uh, you, you don't really have the use of your body. Well, if, if God could produce those kinds of sensations in a, in a dream when we're sleeping, he could certainly give those same kind of sensations to someone who's died uh, before the resurrection has taken place, before, let's say, your, your grandmother has died. She's in heaven right now. She hasn't gotten her body back yet. But that doesn't mean she can't see you. That doesn't mean she can't, uh, you know, uh, sense the spirits of the people around her or certainly be with God. One thing's for sure, she, it's not going to be scary. It's not going to be dark. You know, it's not going to be, uh, you know, people picture it as just being dark and unconscious. It's, it's not going to be that way at all. It really begs the question, that understanding of time, that what's the difference between earth time and heaven time? That's right. Who knows how long? Uh, right now, you know, if your grandmother has died, you know, 30 or 40, uh, if, she, if, if, if my, my great-grandmother has, been, has uh, been dead, you know, 40 years or something like that, who knows if she's experienced this time in heaven, assuming she's in heaven, exactly the way you know, the people on earth have, have experienced 40 years. She may have experienced this 40 years. She may have experienced this as, as, as a snap of the fingers. We don't know how people in heaven are experiencing the passing of time right now. You know? So, again, we, it, we cannot speculate too much about that. All we can do is have trust that God said if you go to heaven, he's going to give us complete, perfect happiness. The same God who can give us happiness here can give us happiness in heaven. So we have to trust him a little bit there. I really love this book because it's not really judgmental or preachy. It's more about really uh, the, the celebration of, of the afterlife. So we're not really passing any judgments on, on people in this not, book. No, not in this. I didn't want to write a book like that. I, you know, I'm, not, I'm also not one of these people who, you know, take a very mushy attitude towards religion. I don't, I, I, I'm far from being liberal in that way. Uh, I believe that there's a place for judgment and a place for uh, being very tough about the faith and, and things like that. But not, not in this book. You know, there needed, I think, there needed a book uh, on a very happy subject, heaven, you know, in, 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 in written in a way uh, that was non-judgmental and that all people could appreciate. I mean, heaven is the happiest subject of all, and it's the most universal subject. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, black or white, um, a Catholic or Protestant, a believer or an atheist. You know, you know, we're all interested in what happens to us after we die. You know, you don't have to be a committed Catholic you know, to be afraid of death. You know, and, and, and you don't even have to believe, believe in God and to be heartbroken when your mom dies. You know, I mean, so, so this is a place uh, that we're all interested in. And the Christian teaching on this subject is so joyous and so pleasurable, so happy, that I, I, you know, I thought that, that, that there needed to be a one place where we talked about just what this, play, what this book, what this place was in an upbeat, uh, happy way without all of the, the preaching. Now, one of the things, Anthony, that we pray at least every Sunday at Mass in the Nicene Creed, or when we pray the rosary, we pray about the resurrection, and that one for me has always been one where I've kind of 
it mentally skipped in my mind because I never could fathom how that would happen. And when I was little, we lived near a cemetery, and it scared me to death to think that bodies would come out of graves. <laughs> but you talk about how it's not necessarily going to be like that. You know, I, I do write about that because I have a feeling that a lot of people have that kind of fear, and they don't say it much. I myself used to picture the resurrection uh, as some kind of, like, uh, cheesy scene from some low-budget horror movie, you know, where you get these people climbing out of their graves, yeah. and it's yeah. just, you know, in tattered clothing, like Night of the Living Dead or something. And again... Uh, you know, think about it. You know, it, it, uh, we have an all good, all loving God. Do you think the very first thing He's going to do when He brings us to everlasting happiness is to scare us half to death? Right. <laughs> Far more, um, a much more common sense view is is that God has the ability to do anything He wants. So it makes just makes sense that the resurrection is going to take place. You know, uh, it, it, with like the snap of the, your fingers. You know, one second we'll just be. Um, we'll just have our bodies back. You know, one second, you know, like in the Bible, there are scenes where, where Christ raises people from the dead. He raises a little girl from the dead. You know, it doesn't happen with all kinds of thunder and lightning. He just quietly says, arise, little girl, and she, she wakes up. You know, that's the way it's going to be at the end. There's no reason to believe that's not the way it's going to be for our, ourselves. Christ is going to whisper one word, arise, and we're all going to have our bodies back. <laughs> and that's all it's going to be. And there's not going to be a cemetery in sight, uh, you know, because there's just no such thing as death in heaven. That's right. And what was fascinating in reading your book is discovering whether or not we're going to be male and female. Yeah, it, again, this, the misconception that so many people have that, you know, we're going to die and we're going to like become angels or we're going to become something that we're not. Again, God only, God created us because he loves us. He loves each and every one of us. He created you specifically. He doesn't want to make you become something different when you're in the afterlife. You're you. And part of who you are is you're, you're a female, you're a male. Uh, and that's going to stay that way in heaven. There's no reason, you know, Jesus is in heaven right now. He's not a female, he's a male. You know, Mary's mm -hmm. in heaven. She's not a male. She's not a, you know, she's, she's a female. We maintain our sex in heaven. We, main, we maintain probably uh, our features as well. We're going to be recognizable. You know, and that's one of the things that we have to focus on, too, especially when we lose a loved one. You know, we're going to see our relatives again body and soul in heaven. You know, when you go to heaven after the resurrection, when you see your mom or your dad for the first time, you're not just going to be seeing a spirit. You're going to be seeing them in the flesh. You're going to be able to run up to them and grab them and, and kiss them and hug them and feel the warmth of their skin, look into their eyes, and, and you'll be able to hear their voice again, and it'll be their voice. God doesn't take that away. He only gives more. He only adds more. So, so we have to really... You know, when, when, we, when we attend funerals and, and, and we hear the priests or the preachers say things like, oh, you know, death is not the end, we really have to understand what that means. It's not the end, and we're going to see these people again in the flesh, and they're going to be those people. They're not going to be different. They're not going to be angels. They're not going to be some creatures that we can't recognize. Right. Pack your bags. It's a major family reunion. That's right. Exactly. Okay, this is a so-me question, okay? What if I don't like what I look like? Because I'm working real hard right now, Anthony. I'm, I'm working out, and I'm trying to lose weight, but it's just not happening. I, you, know, you know, that's a very popular question that I get. People, you have, again, we have to trust in God. He is, is not going to, the way we're going to be in heaven, we're going to be who we are at our best, at our very best. Now, whoever that is, you know, I can't say for sure. We're not going to have the same kind of emotional baggage necessarily that we have here. We're certainly not going to have the same kind of vices that we have. And there's no reason to believe that we're going to have all those extra pounds, you know. We're going to be who we are perfectly. Uh, this question comes up in a different form sometimes when, 
when, when, when uh, say, a mother asks, uh, you know, oh, my, my child died, you know, um, you know, at two months, two months old, as 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 a child, or or even unborn, you know, uh, what, are they going to be that way in heaven? No, not at all. They're going to be who they are at their full potential. There's no reason why someone who dies in childhood is going to be doomed to being a, a baby for all eternity. Just as there's no reason why someone who's an you know who dies an old man who's old and frail and can't walk is going to have to walk through heaven with with uh, crutches. No, we're going to be who we are at our best, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. That's who we're going to be. Right. No, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, of course, has a wonderful description of the glorified body and everything, too. So, and, and right. I, All the qualities that the glorified body is going to have. Right. Now, one question that uh, I'm sure you get a lot, too, or what, what about Fido or uh, Fifi <laughs> the cat? What about our pets? Hey, what about our pugs? Yeah, what about our three pugs? You know, that's right. You get this question a lot because there has been some controversy, you know, in the history of the Church, whether or not animals are going to be permitted in heaven. And, and some theologians have said they didn't think animals could get to heaven, you know, because animals don't have immortal souls or because Christ didn't die on the cross for animals. And, and you know, that may be very, very true. But it, to me, it overlooks one fundamental point the fundamental point in all theology, and that is that God is almighty, and God can do anything he wants. And if God wants animals to be in heaven by special permission, then animals are going to be in heaven. No ifs, ands, or buts. We can't limit God's power. You know, you look at the Bible, and, and there are something like over 120 different species of animals mentioned, and, and they played very, very prominent roles, uh, you know, both in Revelation and, and as symbols. To me, it just doesn't make sense you know, that God is just going to do away with the animal kingdom just because our world comes to an end. You know, heaven, mm-hmm. for instance, we believe uh, that, that there's going to be, that heaven is going to be beautiful, that there's going to be lush vegetation and flowers and trees and those kinds of living things in heaven. They don't have immortal souls. A tree doesn't have an immortal soul. You know, does that mean that God's not going to deny entrance uh, into heaven, you know, for grass and, and trees? No, absolutely not. Uh, so, you know, do you think that God is going to, you know, uh, grant life everlasting to say to some shrub and then, and then deny it to a puppy? That doesn't make sense. You know, animals add to the joy of life, the beauty of the world, and to me there's no reason to believe, no theological reason to believe that animals are not going to be in heaven. I, I firmly, personally believe that every, you know, dog, cat, you know, goldfish, uh, you know, parrot you ever had is going to be there. <laughs> well, and if that- you don't like animals... Then, then take heart in the fact that heaven's a big place, so you, <laughs> you go, to, go to the other side. <laughs> Find somewhere to be alone. <laughs> it really begs the thought on heaven about what type of place. It's very material, because we're created with senses. Yes, it's, you see, there's, there's two sides to this pendulum. Heaven is going to be both physical and spiritual. It, it doesn't have to be, I see, I don't want to make heaven so earthly where we... Where we, where we um, don't talk about the fact that heaven is going to be much more spiritual as well. It will be. Christ has a glorified body right now. He doesn't have just a normal body. You know, when you see the scenes of Jesus after his resurrection in the New Testament, uh, he's just not like the other apostles. He can do some pretty fabulous things. He's walking through walls. You know, he's uh, appearing one place one moment and then 50 miles away the next moment. Uh, there are certain powers that a glorified body has, and, and, I, and we assume... Uh, that, that, that we're going to have those kinds of powers and that our body is going to have those kinds of powers and, th- and that the world is going to be glorified as well and spiritualized to a certain amount, to a certain degree. But, but again, we don't want to forget the fact that it is going to be physical to some extent. 
And that's what we always forget. The pendulum for too long has been on the spiritual side, and we haven't talked about the fact that heaven is going to be physical, too. Now, if it's going to be physical, I mean, obviously, that means it's going to be colorful. You know, they, you know, people picture heaven to be black and white and gray, but does that make any sense? I mean, if we're coming out of a beautiful color world right now, you think God is going to take us from that to some black and white, boring, hazy world? Of course not. Technicolor is the least that heaven is going to be. You know, just, just sometimes that detail alone is enough to console people. Mm-hmm. Because if heaven is going to be physical, then, then it's going to be more recognizable to us than we commonly imagine. And I think you put it really well when you talk about that God doesn't discard his creation. He makes it better. Yeah, yeah. St. Augustine said if you want to know what heaven is like, you know, you know, do away with corruption and add what you will. In other words, if you want to really have a good idea of heaven, you know, uh, cross out the bad and multiply the good. Don't, you know, don't just do away with the good. If God created something and he saw that it was good, it doesn't make any sense that he's going to take that away. He's not going to take away the animal kingdom. He's not going to take away color. He's not going to take away physical creatures or male or females. If anything, he's just going to add on to that, add on to nature. And as you point out, to limit our thinking, to think we're just going to be walking around in a forest, that puts limits on God because, as you said, nothing is ever lost in God. And so no, things and, of and creation... That's right, and that, that doesn't mean that, H, and that, that heaven is going to be one big nature preserve either. You know, you know, in Scripture, there are very, very clear references to the fact that there's going to be a city, a new Jerusalem. Now, now whether or not that means that we're going to live in houses or, or whether we're going to have beds or not, you know, who can say? You cannot speculate that much. But there's no reason to believe that there's not going to be cities of kind, that, that we're not going to be able to go inside occasionally. You know, sometimes people just think that it's going to be just like the Garden of Eden. We're going to be walking around, you know, out by waterfalls. That might be one possibility, but there's no reason why I can't come inside, too, and, and sit down, you know, in, in, a, in a creation of humans. This book, when you begin, you think, oh, I'm just going to find out about what heaven is. And what I found when I was finished, I realized how precious life is now, because if creation, if that's what we're moving towards and that glory, we can experience that here now. Yeah, I mean, think about that. Some people, atheists or people who are against the church, they like to criticize us when we when we say we believe in heaven because you know they say, well, you know, you're just putting all your eggs in that basket and you don't care about this life. All you care about is the next life. I mean, what kind of nonsense is that? If you look at the history of the world, the people who have done the most, accomplished the most, the greatest explorers, the greatest artists, the greatest historians, the greatest everything, they they overwhelmingly have been believers and not atheists. And, and the reason is two reasons. First of all, if you believe in heaven, first of all, um, you know, you believe that in order to get to heaven, you know, what you do in this life counts. It means something. We're going to be judged. So you can't just sit around and, and, and make nothing of your life. You have to do something for God's glory. So that's, that's the first reason why we do something in this life. The second thing is that if, if you believe in heaven and you believe that all our brothers and sisters are bound for eternity, then when you see your neighbor out there, anyone, even someone in the street, or for that matter, an unborn baby, it, that's just not a piece of tissue. It's not just someone who's going to die. It's someone who's going to be share eternity, body and soul, with Christ. And so we now have an obligation. They have a certain dignity, that means, that goes beyond the day-to-day, beyond this life. And so we have an obligation to care for them and to make their cause our cause. So if you believe in heaven, you know, uh, you have a strong belief in it, then you're going to be more active, uh, not less active. That's right. And being active is something that we do in heaven. We just, when we say rest in peace, we really don't rest in peace, do we? 
That's right. That's just an expression. You know, rest can mean many things. <clears throat> One of the things it can mean is just resting after, you know, after, you know, the, the, the race is finished, so you rest. You know, it doesn't mean that you're going to be inactive or immobile. Now, that would be false. Again, uh, when we're in heaven, we're going to have bodies, and, and we're going to be able to do all the kinds of things that bodies can do. We're going to be able to run and, and jump and sit and sing and dance and talk, all those kinds of things. And we'll be able to do even more things because the bodies that we're going to have will be super bodies. They'll be glorified bodies. So we'll be able to do the kinds of things that, that we saw Christ do in the New Testament. We won't just be able to, you know, go from here to California by plane. We'll be able to, to think that thought and be in California. The bodies will be totally at the service of the will and of the mind. So if you want to be on Jupiter, you'll, you're on Jupiter. If you want to explore a galaxy, you can explore the galaxy. You know, they, they, you have to let your imagination run wild here because God's got a great imagination. Um, we'll be able to think of all the people we'll be able to meet in heaven. You know, all the people, not just the people in our own generation, but all the people from history. You know, I, I said, you know, a little facetiously, but, but, but seriously, though, you know, how would you like to take painting lessons from Michelangelo or, or, or piano lessons from Mozart? Or, or how would you like to, you know, discuss the workings of the universe with Einstein or, you know, or, or any of the, you know, it, pick your own favorites from history. As long as those folks made it to heaven, and we certainly hope they, they do, uh, we'll be able to have plenty of time to, to get to know them, become friends with them. And, and, you know, and develop relationships with them. That's one of the great joys of heaven. We'll not just be meeting, you know, our own family, but meeting people from all, uh, you know, all walks of life in, in, uh, throughout history. Right. And uh, for me, I just want to be able to play uh, 18 holes of golf and put an 18 on the scorecard. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you something. The rules to golf might have to change a little bit in the afterlife, considering the, the powers that we're going to have. Absolutely. But there's no reason to believe we won't be able to, to play games or do things like that. And the greatest thing is that we'll be able to meet God. Absolutely. You know, there's no question that, 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 that all this other stuff is just icing on the cake. We won't need anything outside of, of God. And we have such a good God. You know, some people have criticized my book and said, you know, you talk about all these pleasures, meeting, you know, your animals or, or running around meeting, you know, uh, uh, Mozart or Michelangelo, but, but, you know, isn't the most important thing meeting God? And yes, that is the most important God thing. When we meet God, that's going to be the most joyous, incredibly fulfilling thing that, that ever happens to us. But our God is so good that he's going to give us that and give us a more, even a, a abundant over that. And, and therefore, he will let us see our mother and father again, and even Fido, maybe. But yes, we won't need anything other than God. And, you know, the interesting thing here is uh, we've been talking about heaven being physical as well as spiritual. Even our relationship with God is going to be physical to some degree, because cause Christians believe that, that God right now, at least in the person of Jesus Christ, is a person. You know, I mean, Jesus Christ is, is in heaven right now, body and soul, the same person who walked in Galilee 2,000 years ago. So that means that, at least in some of our relations with God, uh, we're going to be able to go up to God and stand two feet away from God and look into God's eyes and hear God's voice. This is mind-boggling, but yet if we're Christians and Catholics, we, we have to believe this. It's, in other words, worshiping God is not just going to be like worshiping some some blinding light, you know, or some entity that, that we, some spiritual entity that we can't comprehend. You know, it'll be just like speaking to the person right next to us. Fascinating. Anthony, uh, let me ask you what some people may be thinking. Uh, obviously, none of us that are living here on Earth have ever been to heaven and back. 
If, if someone were to ask, how do you know so much about it? How would you answer that? Well, you know, I, I'm the, the, I am not some sort of a uh, spiritual guru. You know, I'm not a palm reader or a television psychic. I don't go in for any of that stuff. Everything in this book and everything that I've said uh, on this program comes right out of Scripture and comes right out of, out of uh, theology. Now, I wrote this book as a Christian book. I didn't write it as a specifically Catholic book mm-hmm. because I wanted to make it, because the teaching on heaven is so universal, I wanted to write this for everyone. But had I made it a Catholic book, I could have made it even stronger in talking about uh, <clears throat> you know, the, 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 the physical nature of heaven. Like I said before, we celebrated the Assumption of Blessed Virgin Mary yesterday. Mm-hmm. That, that is a, you know, a Catholic doctrine. We have to believe that Mary, at the end of her life, you know, went, in, went to heaven body and soul. She has a body in heaven. Well, well you know, and, and we know that God, Christ, has a body in heaven. Knowing those two things alone is enough to make a lot of the deductions that we've gone over in the last few minutes, you know. Sure. So all of this stuff comes straight from the Bible and from, uh, from uh, traditional theology. All I'm doing is taking these concepts and talking about them in, you know, a little bit more of a provocative way. But it's all uh, solidly founded. I would recommend anyone out there who wants to have peace of heart and just a sheer joy to go out and pick up a travel guide to heaven because it will offer that and more. And give it to your friends, give it to you, and study it in a group because it is one of those things in times where it's it's kind of dark and we're not sure why we're doing the things we're doing. It gives us great hope. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for saying that. And Anthony, and all the work that you're doing for Priests for Life, too, if there's ever a time that we can help you, I hope that you know you can turn to us because we believe in the work that you're doing. Well, thanks so much. Well, the you know, the Priests for Life website, if I could plug Father Frank, is www.priestsforlife.org. So, you know, we could always use the help. You know, we're in a great, great battle here, and uh, we need all hands on deck. And I think what you've done here in this book and in the work that you're doing, it's not just about an issue called abortion or euthanasia. It's about the concept of the whole idea of what it is to live and to have a life. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. We're, we're all in this boat together, and the, 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 the boat is headed to heaven. And, uh, and, if, and, and heaven can be described as, as union with God, and if that's the case, then the, the purpose of our life here is the same thing, union with God. And, and union with God means obedience to the kinds of things He wants us to do, uh, defending the defenseless and uh, encouraging those who are, you know, have lost loved ones and, and all the rest, all the things that go along with our, our faith system. Right. Let's, well be, uh, let's be nice to each other because, uh, after all, we are in it for eternal rewards for everyone. A long time. Yes, it is. Eternity is a long time. I'm grinning so hard after this talk. Everything, the whole time you were talking, my face is hurting. So I'm grinning so much. It's great. (laughs) Thank you very much, Anthony. Thank you so much, and uh, God bless. We'll uh, keep you and Priest for Life and Father Pavone and everyone in our prayers here too, and and pray for our ministry, won't you? We absolutely will, and for all your listeners. All right. Thank you so much. God bless. All right. Bye bye.